Thank you, Paul and Leslie, and uh, good to see you all here today. <laughs> a couple of you are happy in here. Well, that's good. We'll just keep moving then. <laughs> we're, we're the mules and the horses that make bits like Psalm was talking about. Fair enough. <laughs> well, let's take our Bibles and... Uh, as uh, well, let's take our problems and turn to Galatians for a moment. Galatians, happy Fourth of July! I don't know if anyone did the calculations, but uh, how many years since uh, our independence? Two hundred forty-five years. That's a long time. It's long enough for us as a nation to have forgotten what we gained. It's a lot of times the way freedoms are, actually, is we lose track of how good it is to enjoy liberty. And today I'd like to take a look at, especially since it's America's Day of Freedom or of Liberty, uh, the scriptures talk about Christian liberty and uh, the importance of that, particularly as we've just finished a study on putting on the whole armor of God and how effective it is in helping us continue to fight for liberty and freedom. I, it's a, I don't know, I shouldn't, we should read first, shouldn't we? But I have to say this, that literally, you know what, you think about the fruit of the Spirit and you think about how Christian liberties are wrapped up. You know, those don't just come naturally. It's a fight. You literally fight for love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance of faith. Against such there is no That doesn't just happen. You know, we think of all the things going on in our, in our world today. The drought, which will cause, it's amazing how much strife and challenges that can bring. And there's a lot of things that you'd rather do than do it God's way. And that's an internal fight that goes on doing it the right way. So with that in mind, let's, let's turn now to Galatians. And we'll, let's go to chapter 5. Chapter 5, and we'll pick up the reading at verse 13. Verse 13. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such the like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, Against such, there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk 
in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Two more verses. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you, which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. May God add a special blessing to the reading of his word, and let us just pause for prayer for prior to our study this afternoon. Father God, we are thankful to be in this place today on a day that we as a nation are celebrating literally the birth or the beginning of independence, liberty, and freedoms, which literally were given to us by you magnificently through the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, which are amazing documents, Father, which you instilled into those forefathers' minds. Father, may we be reminded that you are the reason that we're here, not only today, but when it started. You're the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you for your word. Thank you that we've been able to read even these few verses describe for us your desire for Christian liberty. Father, now these moments we want to give to you to have you exercise everything necessary for us to become more like Jesus Christ. As we've been talking the last several weeks of putting on the Lord Jesus Christ, or another way, we looked at pieces of armor that we were invited and, what should we say, admonished to put on the whole armor of God. Father, all of these things fit together. We think of how awesome a God that you are, and we would pray particularly today that our teacher today would exclusively be the Holy Spirit, which those of us that have accepted Christ as Savior by faith, the grace that was given to us, at that moment, the Holy Spirit indwells us, lives within us, uses the Word of God to correct us, to admonish us, to encourage us, to strengthen us, to give us wisdom. It's to Him that we ask that He would teach us and encourage us. Now, we thank you for all of those that have come here today, and we ask that you give them a special blessing, they and their families. Father, there may be some that had desired to be here and weren't able to. We'd ask that you'd wrap your arms around them, encourage them, and lift them up. But now, Father, take us where you want us to be for these moments, and we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, first, it's a little bit off subject, but it's uh, tying together some things. If you remember, uh, those of you that were here last week... Oh, by the way, um, I didn't, so I'm just going to go ahead. I, I didn't remember until right now. How many of you went to go try to sell a book based on those eight things? Did anyone give it a shot? Just like me forgot? Okay. Maybe I should leave it back on the board. I can't, though. I have to write on the board today. That's one of those days I have to write on the board. But... If you remember last week, we talked about literally the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. We thought of the, what it's good for, all of those things. Literally, that's, it's the source of truth. It's the source of happiness. It's the source of growth. It's the source of power, the source of guidance, the source of comfort, the source of maturity, and the source of victory. Now, if you went out down, downtown, any town, and, and were selling books, or for this reason, I guess you could have a computer or a tele, telephone app, that could give you that kind of source of information, it should sell. But as we talked about last week, none of you tried it, did you? 
I made a real impression on your lives. But somewhere, but if you were going to describe that to someone, would you like to have the source of truth? Would you like to have the source of victory? And you go down through the list. And I think it, there would be a lot of people, yeah, yeah, I would like to, yeah, well, as a matter of fact, yes. And then you say, well, it's the Bible. Oh, right. That's probably what most people would say. But literally, it is just that. It is also the source of life. I just thought of another one. It is the source. It's the only source of life. Okay, with that, that's my last time. But somebody, you should try that. Just, just try it sometime. Did you guys write this down even? Yeah. Oh, very good. So we're good. Because <laughs> I may forget it. <laughs> All right, well, anyway, if you remember, one of the things that we talked about toward the end of last week, and uh, I just want to maybe just clean it, clean it up just a bit, is if you remember, we were looking at three different B's in the letter, the, the word, the, the, uh, the, letter the letter B. There are B's, B-E-E, that I'm going to talk about today for a moment. But literally, if you remember our story, we were talking about how do we respond to or how do we uh, take advantage of the Bible, the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. And we talked about, and I can't remember the gentleman's name right now, but it was a story that I relayed to you in the sense of, are we like a butterfly? Do we just kind of like light on this flower? And we take off, and we light on another one for just, just a split second, and you just kind of check it out. <coughs> or like the botanist, he comes with his notebook, and he's studying, and he has more notes than we could even imagine. It really doesn't make any difference to him, though. Or are we like a bee? B-E-E. And that bee is there for a purpose. He comes empty, and he leaves loaded. That's literally how we as Christians should... I said, I think I'm going to say just exactly what Bob Attacks the Word of God. Do we come empty and we leave refreshed? Do we, come, do we leave full? Well, one of the things in this little story that I said, it said that the bees take pollen and then go and make honey. Okay. Um, that's not exactly right. Now, they do take pollen, but they also take nectar from the flower. So if you think about it, it's kind of like a dual project. They... You, and you can't look at bees really close, but if you've noticed, when they, when they go inside the flower to get the nectar, the pollen that is there, and of course they serve many purposes. The bee is one of the most, I think, undervalued species, organisms, whatever you want to call it, that God ever made. It's, it's amazing what it has to do with our planet. And, and, and all of the services that it does, and all the intricate communication they have. And I, I don't want to get down all of that, but literally, as I studied for just a moment, that the nectar that they're taking out of the flower is mixed with the B enzyme, which they have a gland within themselves, that when they pull the nectar in, it's mixed with the enzyme, and then they go back to the hive, and then they literally transfer that to another bee who has his own enzyme. And then they have this beeswax that is in hexagonal it's just so cool. I, I, I know i got to move on. Because, what does this have to do with liberty? Absolutely nothing. But the point of the matter is, is it actually gives more robustness to us as how we should approach harvesting and taking home the Word of God. But anyway, so they'll then put this in the storage, the nectar and the enzyme mixed from the bees that make honey. But the pollen is also harvested. 
which they bring home on all of those, you know, those hairy little bee legs and all of that. And under microscopic, if you look at them, it's amazing. They look like a yellow thing that's carrying all this yellow pollen. And literally, they can't hardly hold it all. Those little buggers are flying with all they got. And how far away, a few uh, little, they'll go about four miles around their hive to harvest. They rarely get in any beyond that. I could give you some more stuff, but you don't need to know all of that. But what do they do with the pollen? Well, now, the honey, obviously, which you know, those of you that maybe utilize it in your diets, that it's high energy, it's high carbohydrates. But the bees also need protein. Guess where the protein comes from? Don't make it too hard. The pollen. And they actually make bee bread. They take the, the pollen with, again, the enzymes they have, and they put it in the same place, the same hexagonal uh, beeswax forms, and they stuff it in there, and later they use it as bee bread for the proteins that they need and the fats. It's a combination with the carbohydrates, which they have stored in honey. And it's amazing. See, this is what's really cool. We as Christians should be just like a bee. As God gives us everything we need for our lives, and the bees have to have both of those for them to survive. Don't ever miss that. Sometimes if you take a hive and you would take all, all of the nectar, I'm sorry, all of the, the honey, guess what's going to happen to the hive? It dies. See, as we, God gives us everything we need, and we do more of that, more harvesting, more seeking the word of God, we actually impact the entire world. That's the end of my bee story. <laughs> but it's, it, the more I dug into it, the more applicable it really is as we as Christians. We need to come in empty and go off filled. Okay. Let's talk about liberty. I'm going to have you tell, let's, let's just start out. What do you, when I say the word liberty, and, and we'll probably say more along the line of Christian liberty today. Now, we're, we're, it's Independence Day today in the United States of America. It's the year 2021. 245 years have went past from its beginning to where we are today. How long we will continue in that state is hard to say. We have given up freedoms. I, I can't go down this, this trail too much because I think Christian freedoms are just as easily lost when we lose what's really, really important. But I really fear for our nation's future. We've lost our way. We've lost our focus. We've lost all of the things that literally are foundational for us to remain a free nation. We are giving those away and trading them in for things that have no value. Okay? We can do the same thing from the Christian side of liberty. One of the things that would be the offset or the opposite of where we want to speak today is antinomianism. Antinomianism. <laughs> Sounds really good. It starts with an A and it ends with an M. I said it, I can say it any time that I really don't really have to. Antinomianism. There we go. I think I got it. And what it says is basically it's to be against the law. So from a Christian, if, if it's a principle, it's, it's actually a theology. It literally, since you've been saved, if you've trusted Christ by faith, then you don't have to obey anything because grace literally covers it all. That, my friends, is, I think the French word is baloney. <laughs> That's totally erroneous. The Bible preaches nothing of that. In fact, I think it's Romans chapter 6, we may get there, where Paul says, what, should, what then, should we sin the more so grace may abound? And he says, God forbid. That's on the one side of this thing, that literally there, there is more and more and more Christians 
and I'm, I'm careful with that word, I want to put quotes around for a moment, if your picture of grace and God is that shallow, then I'm afraid you may not know what Christ did and where he is in the sense of grace and what grace, all, what grace is. Because you'll never understand grace until you understand what the law is and what God's requirements were. If you don't get that, you'll never understand grace because if it's just free, with understand what it costs, then the picture's askew. And that's what I think is happening to our friends of the A group. You guys know what I mean now, since I tried to say it 16 times and got it right once. That group. So we want to make sure that, we, that, that that myth is completely broken away. So let's talk about liberty. You tell me, what, what is liberty? What is Christian liberty? What does it look like? You don't have to, don't all talk at once. I mean, this is going to be scary. We'll, we'll take turns. Able to worship God. Anytime, anywhere. Well, we're going to make a commercial. I can see a commercial coming here. Okay. What else? Christian liberty. Let's just talk about the word liberty for a moment. If I say liberty, you think? Freedom. Freedom. What is freedom? Ooh, it's quiet. Freedom. Independent choice. Do you guys like freedom? Would you say that freedom means different things to different people? Let's say that you would ask a teenager what freedom means, and they would probably say... (laughs) They're smiling in the back table there. That's true, isn't it? Uh, Particularly where you've been used to... Uh, And by the way, nothing at all wrong with what mom and dad have laid out as being rules and parameters for building and growing a family. Because that's what God wants. God's all about making it the right way, doing it the right way. But there's a part of if if one is, is adhering to a set of rules... For a long period of time, and it's just that that you focus on. This is, and I'm saying this for a reason. That's what the, the, word, the, the book of Galatians is all about. When you take a legalistic standpoint, and you're doing things just to adhere to or gaining something, there's usually a real serious time of rebellion because all they want is to get away from that. If it's all about structure, if it's all about religion without relationship... Huge, huge backfire. Okay? So liberty would be very different than that. It would be the opposite of that. Liberty is freeing. It is freedoms. But it's not being able to do anything I want to do. See, if you ask a senior coming out of high school or college, a lot of them would answer just that way. Would they not? I can do what I want to do. Correct? Is that right? Is that what Christian liberty is? Hey, I found grace in Jesus Christ and now I can do anything I want to do. Now, I, hear, I hear your head shaking no. That's why we have laws in the land that there is still a parameter. There is parameters, aren't there? In fact, God sets things up that way. In fact, we'll be looking at something today that's called the law of Christ. In fact, did you see it? Let's, let's read that. I don't, want, I don't want to focus on it right now, but we saw it was the last few words that we spoke and uh, read in Galatians chapter 6. Watch this. In verse 2, Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, it says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill 
the law of Christ. You see, if our picture of the sense of freedom or liberty literally is the fact that we don't have to do anything in regards to law, we've missed it. We've totally missed it. We're going to talk about the most supreme law and that literally Christian liberties help to fulfill it at its highest level. What are you talking about? That's like point three, but we've got to get to point one before we get to point three. And if we don't get going, we won't even get to point one. So there we go. Christian liberty. Let's talk about a few things that it's not. Christian freedom or liberty is not freedom to be indifferent toward the will of God. Christian liberty is not the freedom to be indifferent to the will of God. In other words, will of God, I could care less. I'm free. Right? That would be extremely short-sighted. It would be extremely missing the point. Because the only reason that you have liberty... Christian liberty is the fact that God cared enough to set up a system and a plan that Jesus Christ was in the middle of it, God himself, to literally buy us out of a place we couldn't even get ourselves out of. And then to be indifferent to his will would tell us what? We have no idea what our freedom cost. We have no idea what our liberty... And see, that's where we are in America. There'll be some crossovers. That's why we're in such a terrible state in the year 2021 in America is we don't even know what it costs. The cost literally always helps us know what our liberties and our freedoms are. If we don't know the cost, we have no way to get to the price tag of understanding it. We just don't know. It's the same thing of understanding grace without knowing the cost of what it gave. Freedom does not allow us to be disobedient to God. One of the things that, if I was going to say the word Christian, we would say that a Christian would be one that loves God and obeys Him. Let's go to John for a moment. The book of John, chapter 15. John 15, 14. John 15, 14. Jesus' words, and He had spent the first number of verses talking about He was the vine and... You are the branches, talking about that integration, abiding in him. In verse 14, it says this, You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. You can tell if someone's, what should we say, truly a Christian is how do they respond to God? Do they love and obey him? Christian freedom is not, is not free to sin. It is not passive with regard to righteousness. In other words, uh, if you have no desire, no desire whatsoever to go on a pathway to become more righteous, more holy, you probably aren't saved. I mean, that's quite honestly, if, if, if you have no desire to know what God wants for your life, I could care less. I don't, I don't care about God. I don't, you, you can't possibly have been saved. It, it, it makes, it, you, do you see what I'm saying? It, there's, there's things that have to be there to give evidence that it's there. No, I'm not, I'm not putting it on the wall that if, if that person doesn't have this and this. No, 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 I'm, I'm saying it. But there's general desires, there's general undertone, there's foundational things that must be there that prove that you literally accepted Christ. If you have no interest whatsoever in obeying and following God or be concerned with His will, there's no life there. That's what the, that's what the unbelievers have. You, you just, remember that list we went through and just about wore me out, right? Just about wore me out. And you know why? Because God isn't in there. God isn't in that stuff. 
Love isn't in that stuff. Peace isn't in that stuff. Joy, and that's the internal fight that goes on because we still have that flesh, right? You remember Paul using that term, the flesh? That's our, I want to say, that's our unsaved humanness. <laughs> that, that even helped, you know, sometimes you just say flesh, and that word to me it doesn't really give me the resonance that I need to see it for what it is. But it's literally the unsaved humanness. Now, that bugger is still unsaved. And it's so unsaved because Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 7. I want to do what's right, and I can't. And then the stuff I don't want to do, that's what I do. And that's that thing that goes on. This is the Apostle Paul. It's no wonder you look at your life this last week, and I've had several episodes. What, what the world? What was I thinking? Right? Did you, did anyone, no, don't raise your hand because we don't want, because that's what we do. That's because we have the unsaved humanness. I kind of like that. I may use that for a while. It takes longer to say, but if someone says the, the war between the spirit and the flesh, no, it's just it. It's the unsaved humanness. And God didn't do that all right away because we're not ready. We're not glorified. We're still sanctifying. And you know what? There should be a little less unsaved humanness every day. It's amazing how it rears up, though, right? And shows its ugly self. <laughs> I actually had, uh, I don't know if I should go down that trail or not. I'm going to say no. <laughs> Just move on. We'll see if it comes back. <clears throat> So one of the things that would be a mark, if you will, is the fact of loving obedience for God would be a very high mark of Christian liberty. Now, if you thought about this, um, and maybe we've said it before, but there's, there's a lot of unsaved people as they're addressed or given the opportunity to have the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ died for their sins, and he is the answer when you accept him by faith. One of the things that's a real roadblock or a real resistance point for them is, boy, I, I, there's some stuff I don't know if I can give up. I mean, I really love to do that stuff. And you can, you can fill in the blanks, whatever you want to say. Whatever it is, I don't know. What Name it. I, it's amazing how many things that Satan has thrown out there in the world system to take God's place. Drugs, alcohol, sex, you name it. All of those things. And, 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 and I, Boy, I just don't know if I could give that up. No, 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 they don't get it. They can't give that up because it owns them. That was too loud, wasn't it? They are a slave, literally, to sin. And that's where sin wants you because it loves to control you. And sin, the more you sin, the more it controls you, the more it has you. And you couldn't break that bad boy if you wanted to. And that's the key when you finally realize that. That's when you reach out to Jesus. And until you know that, you can't possibly even know how much sin controls you. There are people enslaved and in bondage that don't even know it. I like to do that. No, you don't. You couldn't stop it if you wanted to. That's not liberty. That's not freedom to... Do you see what I'm saying? It's a huge deal. Christian liberty allows us the freedom to do what's right. Unsaved sinners can only sin. <laughs> they can only sin. Let's take a look at Second Peter chapter 2. Second Peter chapter 2. And let's look at verses 19, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 19. Now, he's talking about false teachers, uh, and, he, and he actually works through chapter 2. I'm not going to take down. That would be a good chapter for you to read uh, tonight or through the week. It's uh, Peter taking uh, and exposing, if you will, the false teachers and all of their characteristics. And I'm, and I'm just diving in. I apologize, but uh, this is what we just have to do today. Verse 19 says, while they, these false teachers, promise them. See the word? What does it say? 
freedom or liberty in the King James. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. That is exactly the deal, isn't it? It's exactly the deal. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same as he brought into bondage. That is so true. That is so true. Let's turn to John chapter 8, verse 36. John 8, 36. John 8, verse 36. This is literally what Jesus Christ... And these are His words. If the Son, S-O-N, therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. (laughs) That's not up for debate. Boy, I wonder if I'm free in Jesus. No. You are. You are free in Jesus Christ. Well, let's go back to Galatians. I don't know if you still have your thumb or your finger in that little book. We'll spend most of our time there. Well, maybe not. We're going to be a lot of time in 1 Corinthians and Galatians. But Galatians chapter 5, and let's look now at Christian liberty, verse 13. Verse 13. For brethren, so he's speaking to Christians now, verse 13, chapter 5, you have been called unto liberty. Wow, that's great. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. What did we say about flesh? What was my little term? Unsaved. Unsaved humanness. Okay. So let's plug that in. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the unsaved humanness, but by love serve one another. So the first part of that we can call Christian liberty. We're now free to oppose the flesh. I'm going to say that again because it's very important. It almost, it just kind of rolls past us. But when you have Christian liberty, when you've trusted Christ as Savior, grace is something that you partake of. You then have the freedom to oppose the flesh, to oppose the unsaved humanness. See, before that, you have, you got nothing. You know, if you're, if you're an unbeliever, if you're unsaved and you don't have Jesus Christ, you don't have the Holy Spirit living within you. You have nothing in your arsenal. You have absolutely zero-ness to try to oppose the unsaved human. Because you're all unsaved. In fact, it says that we're dead in trespass and sin. There's no life. Yeah, you can't even see you need it, right? Ernie's exactly right. Why, why would I want to do that? That's exactly why they say, I, I, I can't give up alcohol. I can't give up sex. I can't give up all of these things that I... I really like that stuff. And I can't... No, no, it owns you. And it's taking you straight on in, what sin does. Sin just puts a little bit of grip. A little stouter, a little stouter, a little stouter, a little stouter. You can't get away from it. That's a good time to meet Jesus. When you really realize that. That's why a lot of times you'll see those that are down as low as they can possibly get. And been traveling at that level. It's called a rut. That's the graves with the ends knocked out. That's a rut. And you're at a very deep level. You know what? That's usually the time... That a grown-up... Now, it's the best time to get it when a child is just understanding the difference between right and wrong. I, fortunately, because of my mother, had that opportunity. Six years old. On a swing set. I don't remember how she got me there. I don't have any idea. But all of a sudden, I was convicted of my sin. Here's this filthy, rotten sinner at six. <laughs> I say, well, and you guys are laughing as well. You know, my history was incredibly... But, but you know what? It didn't matter. Because exactly as it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 12... That by one sin, death entered the world through Adam. And we're all sinners. Every single one of us. It's not because you get old before you sin. No, 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 no. It comes with the package. 
And on that day, God used whatever she said to convict me of my sin. And I couldn't do a thing about it. You know what I did? I took out at a high rate of speed, went upstairs. We had an an old house. And I jumped into bed and pulled the covers over my head. This is the middle of the day. I don't know what that was supposed to do. But for me, it was just a time of I literally gave my heart to Jesus Christ. Just in that quiet moment, I knew I couldn't fix it at six. (laughs) So the next day, I took my sister, who's three, and I got her saved. (laughs) She actually said that she was. But I wanted to tell her about, you see, now that's a change. Now, does that mean my life has been on? on, No, there's been those moments. There's been those times. There's been those situations that I've not made the right choices because of my unsaved humanness that gets in the way. It's the same for you this week and myself this week. And there's this war going on. There's a fight for joy and love. That's the way it is. That's okay, because at least you know what you're supposed to have. You know what your liberty is involved with. That's what makes it cool. It's when you don't know that stuff. You see, all of those things that we mentioned, strife and all, you know what's, you know what's lacking? Let's read this list. I want to ask this question. I, it's not in my notes this way, but let's just, let's see. Where do I have you right now? Galatians chapter 5. Just turn over to uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. It says the works of the flesh. What did we say the flesh was? Unsaved humanness. Now, the works of the unsaved humanness are manifest. In other words, they made clearly here, this is what happens when that is what comes out. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft. Now, witchcraft has to do more with probably the use of drugs and different ways of making that. See, that fits a lot more, doesn't it, today? You think about our culture today. Not just witchcraft, but all of those other things that come with it. Hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such the like. Do you know what's gone from that? There's not one shred of this. If you torque all of those things, there's not one shred, not one ounce of love in any of that. Nothing. And that's what unsaved humanness is. There's no love in it. That's why the fruit of the Spirit, the first one is what? Love. It's fight. You know, we've been telling you put your armor on. That's why. Because if you don't have your armor on, this other stuff can get you. Boy, I'm like super pumped up today. I don't know what's up with that, right? That means you guys have been praying. By the way, I want to, for just a second, I can't tell you how much it means to me when you pray for your pastor. There's, I don't even have words for it. Today, this message, and, and God will have to take it where he wants it. He's, he's, I'm on fire right now because God is here and the Spirit is here, right? That's because you guys prayed. That's because you guys are preparing us for this. This came to me this morning because it's not me. It's God. And that's what we want to hear today. But it's you guys praying. It's you guys caring. It's you guys getting involved. That's what it's about. See, we're all in this together. Right? Right. Amen. Let's see. Verse 13, chapter 5. You've been called to liberty, but don't use that liberty. Don't use that freedom. Don't allow any opportunity, that, that word occasion, don't let that any time 
allow the flesh to have opportunity. I'm going to have us ask some questions. Sometimes it's good for us to ask questions. when Because not, there's not every single thing in the Bible that describes an event, something that comes in your life, and you go there, it says, thou shalt not. No, it doesn't do that in every case. There are principles, there are understanding. But I want to ask you some questions. I want you to be able to ask yourself some questions. As you're approaching a situation, it should help you in the sense of opposing or making sure we're traveling on the road to righteousness. Because that's, well, again... The key to Christian liberty is, if we love God, we will obey Him. If we do not obey God, one thing could happen. We may not know what God said, which means we're not the bee taking home the pollen and the nectar, which means we're not in the Word of God. That, that's a possibility. And by the way, we learn stuff all the time. If you read your Bible this morning or yesterday or whatever, you never saw that before. See, that's what's really cool. That's the Holy Spirit guiding you and taking... Did you see that before, Larry? No, that's cool. That is so fantastic. Now, can you do that? Oh, that's a toughie. Right? That's right where he wants you because he wants you to depend on him. See, when we're in that phase, we're in that thing, it's, it's, so, it's so building. It's, it energizes us to, to, to a level that we can't even possibly understand. So the first one that we would want to ask... In fact, let's do it by going to this. Let's go, hold your place in Galatians. We'll be right back. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, what do you know about the Corinthians? Uh, the first letter that Paul wrote to them. Um, boy, these guys were, they were like spiritual giants, weren't they? <laughs> no, no I, well, there was no pause. It was just like, no, they weren't. They were very, in fact, we would use this. The Corinthians were very... <laughs> Bad boys. That's really actually good. Uh, another word, would you, and, maybe, and maybe it was just me and how I grew up, but uh, the Corinthians were known as being carnal. They were fleshly. Oh, what was flesh? Unsaved humanness, right? Does that help you or not? It helps me. I, if it doesn't, don't write it down. But they were carnal. They were very fleshly. The unsaved humanness was kind of like taking control. And it's like if you have two dogs, which one's going to get the biggest? The one you feed the most. This isn't hard, right? So if you feed the flesh, the unsaved humanness, more than you do the the good guy, right? The part that's been saved. How does that work? You feed them equally? That's why the war gets stouter. That's why every day that you go along, sanctification should allow the spiritual side, the saved, the real you, should become stronger. Okay, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, keeping in mind that Paul is writing to a group of people that they're struggling. They're struggling. All things, verse 12, did I tell you where to go? 1 Corinthians 6, 12. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Now, I know we're diving into a verse, but that seems that he's asking, he's allowing them to ask some questions. Even though something may be okay for me, lawfully okay for me, you take a look at that and you say, yep, I, I can do that. There's another question that needs to be asked. He said, but not all things are expedient. Another way to say that, is it really spiritually beneficial to me? Is what I'm going to do, will it be spiritually beneficial? Just write that down. I think we should write these questions down. 
I, I don't know that there's anything magic about that. That's not even a good word. If there's anything significant. But you know what? When we can ask ourselves questions before we do something, it allows us to have a much broader basis and foundation to make sure we've made a good decision. Is it spiritually beneficial? Another question we're going to ask, will it build me up or will it edify me? That's another word. Sometimes when we say edify, we don't really have the, but it's to build you up. In other words, if I do that, will it literally allow the Holy Spirit or God to build me, to strengthen me? You see, those two questions are pretty good, aren't they? We've already, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking about some stuff. Boy, I don't need to be doing that. (laughs) That's a place I don't need to go, Right. Isn't it amazing how it just sometimes something so simple as just asking questions allows us to see how clear it really may be for us. Now, again, this may be different for each one of us in this room. But you see, what I'm saying is if the Holy Spirit lives within you, and if he does, that means that you've been saved. You've been saved because you've placed your trust and faith in Jesus Christ. And when that happens, instantly, the Holy Spirit indwells you. When he indwells you, he's speaking to you. He's Using the word of God to direct your travels. When you ask questions like that, guess who's answering those? The Holy Spirit, right? Isn't that right? Oh, oh, that's so revealing when I ask those questions, right? Because he's, he's speaking to you on the inside. But another question we might ask is, Let's, well, let's, I'm not, let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. Because this is, this is really, this is a, a verse we've used many times. You're, you're familiar with it, but let's read it. Let's read it. Now, chapter 11 of Hebrews is all about the faith chapter. The, the hall of faith, if you will. These people that did not know anything about Jesus Christ in the sense of knowing him physically, they would not know that he, because he hadn't lived yet. But they responded by faithfully trusting God. Verse 12 of chapter 12, verse 1 says this, Because of, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed, surrounded about with so great a cloud of witnesses. All of those in chapter 11. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So a question we might ask, will this hinder my race for faith? Is this going to be something that's going to hold me back or allow me to go faster? You know, you probably haven't seen a... Uh, I haven't... Have any of you watched some of the pre-trials? I, I just... One night, we going through the, the Olympic... Tri, you know, they got the Olympic thing going on, you know, and I think of a 100-yard dash. It's, I mean, it's amazing. Those guys, if you, don't get start, if you don't get the right start, you lost. It doesn't matter how fast you are. It does not matter. You get a bad start, you can't catch up. It's 100 yards, people, Right? Whoever has the best start, he can be pretty good, but he'll win. Now, if they all start perfectly, then the fastest one wins. Isn't that true? And you know the difference is? Is that's what's held you back? Is that something that's beset you? And the last, last race, you know what I did not see the 100-yard people have on? Winter coats. They want as little as possible to be as sleek and as air, whatever that word is, aerodynamic thank you as possible they want every advantage to them and i'm talking some of the stuff they think about is like are you kidding me you know their shoes are like i don't know what 8.2 ounces 
Not 8.3. Now, I, I don't know if it, but you see what I'm saying? Every little piece of extra weight is taken off. They want nothing to hold them back. That's what I want in your mind as a Christian. What is it that's holding you back? And if, I, if I'm looking at that particular thing, it may be lawful for me. But does it hold me back in my race of faith? You see, these are pretty telling questions, aren't they? They allow us to analyze with a lot larger degree. And you know what? You always err on the side of wanting to love and obey God more. Always. Did I mention always? I mean 100% of the time. No, I'm sorry, 110% of the time. Err on that side. Now I lost my... Oh, there they are. Do you guys lose your glasses? No, you don't because you need them. Okay, cool. Another one, another question that we could ask. Now, this is one. I, now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be really out there for a second. I don't think I've ever told... I haven't told very many people this story. But it fits right here, and it just popped in my mind. So um, I'm just going to say it. The question I would ask is, will this start a habit? Now, that's rarely asked. That person that may have taken their first drink was usually out of peer pressure. It's some teenager at a moment, and you've got to have some. That's usually how it happens. And it would look worse for them to say, no, I don't think I want any, because what would, well, I wonder what the kids will say if I don't take, right? And right, that's peer pressure. And that does not go away at the age of 18. If you're here today, who's the oldest one here? I'm not going to ask. But if you're over 100 years old, you still haven't met the age of which peer pressure does not allow you to be part of that. In the nursing home today, there's people there that are still under peer pressure. They are. Well, I'm going to tell you, here's a situation. And this was actually a question that I asked myself. There was, uh, there was a, a, a boy, I'm going to say he was probably, I'm going to leave him unnamed because that's to his credit. Um, but my, my father and his father were in the same breed of cattle. And they would get together once in a while. And he was a year younger than I was. And on this particular event, this is, this is obviously very many years ago. I'm going to say I was probably, I'm going to take a shot at this. I'm going to say 14 or 15, Okay. And he came up, and, you know, and we did. We got along really good. We were good, good pals and stuff. And he's got some red man with it. Red man chewing tobacco. You all with me now? Okay. And you're going to say, what's Larry going to tell us now? Okay. So at any rate, this, oh, I just about gave his name away, and I would never do that. And it, it, we haven't talked to each other in years. I don't even know if he's living. He probably is. I'll probably this week call him, just see if I can find him, right? See how he's doing. Anyway, so he's got this pouch of red man, which I suspect he probably got from his dad, someone, without his dad knowing it. You know how that is. You know, this isn't, right? This, right? Where do you think kids get booze? From their folks, right? That's how it works. Well, anyway, I don't want to go too far down this trail. So he gives me some, he's got to try this stuff. And I did. And I remember going through my mind, ooh, that tastes really good. I'm gonna, and I remember saying, I've got to make a decision right now. Now, I didn't ask the question, is going to cause a habit? I just knew right then that I needed to make a decision whether I was going to do that or not do that. Now, again, I credit God with that. Right? Isn't that true? It's a, now, I, because I took that stand, that's why I didn't go there. And that's just for me. You know, for you, even, 
Red man? Why would you be attracted to that? I don't know, but there was a taste in it. There was a taste. And I knew, Larry, what are you going to do? And I said, no. I did. I did. But I liked it. But there was a choice. It was a decision. Do you see what I'm saying? Will this cause a habit? And what do we know about a habit? A had, habit. It's hard. <laughs> well, you nail that one. Hard to break. That's why it's a habit, right? But what the other thing we want to know about a habit is really then we give it more attention and more opportunities to own us more all of the time. There are habits that we have in our own lives. and we, You all have habits. Some of them are good. Some of them aren't so good. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm, that, I'm included. I got two hands in the air. But here's what it does is, is it, a habit, particularly one that's not leading us on the right road to righteousness. It's not something that, it's heavy. It becomes a weight, really does. And we have less time for God when we're involved in this habit, correct? I know, I know men and women that are so snatched in alcoholism, they cannot breathe. They can't get away from it. It actually owns them. And that's what the unsaved humanness of us wants. It wants you to not be able to breathe without it. Because then it's, it's proven to be your God. And that's what Paul's talking about. That's what our Christian liberty should not ever allow us to be. We have the right, the liberty, the strength, the power to be able to break and to oppose the unsaved humanness. That's fantastic, isn't it? That's literally the first point of Christian liberty. We have the opportunity to oppose the flesh. Now, there's one last question. This is one that I, this was kind of the only one I used. I remember even going through high school. And this would be a question that I would ask myself. And it, it sounded so good, and it wasn't so easy still to get a hold of it. Will this glorify God? You know, there's some places that you go or some things you do, and you, it's pretty obvious. Was God glorified in that place? Uh, that would be a no, right? But that's the question asked. So you help me now. I didn't write the questions down purposely because I wanted you to write them down because if you don't have them, we're going to write them down. Okay, the first question was, is it spiritually beneficial? Is this going to help me in my walk with God? Second Will it build me up? Will it edify me? And maybe edify is a better word, but will it strengthen me? Will it make me more like what God wants me to be? Third? Will this hinder? Will this beset me? Will this hold me back from my run, my race for faith? And you're all in a race. You're all in a battle and you're all in a race. There's no question about that. And number four? Will it form a habit? Now, there's some habit, by the way, I want to be very careful. Uh, if, if, you're, if you start reading, if you just got saved and, and you start reading the Bible, please continue to do that. Make that a habit. <laughs> reading the Bible is fantastic. I'm talking about something. That, I wonder if I should do that. If you are a Christian and you're wondering whether you should read the God, Word of God, listen carefully. Yes. <laughs> the Word of God is easy. But there's stuff out there in the world society throws at you. It's a curveball. And for I'm just thinking of this. I don't know if we'll get there today or not. But. Paul talks to the Corinthians, and there were those that got saved. And in a prior life, they would have been worshiping idols. And part of that whole ceremonial aspect of that, which is very foreign to us, is the fact that there was meat that was dedicated 
that was literally part of the worship service for this idolatry, for this idol worship. And then that meat was served to those that were partaking of the worship of the of the demons or the idol worship, okay? And if they got saved out of that, that was, that was a huge thing for them, particularly as a younger brother or sister in Christ. And, ta- and Paul talks about that. He's, and it's, it's, it's a little bit different for us. It's hard for us to get a grasp, but it's really the same principle in the fact that it's that kind of relationships because of what's happened in our past that we can't have anything to do with, Okay? And sometimes when you look at those situations from the outside, that's why when we ask questions, because the second thing we're going to talk about Christian liberty is the fact that we have the opportunity to love our brothers. In fact, let's go to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13 again. Let's read it together. I'll, I'll go with Paul. He's, he's, a, he's a lot better looking. Yeah, go, go ahead. How about this question? Would this be a stumbling? Exactly right. Exactly right. Will this, would this be a stumbling block? That's exactly where we're going when we have the second point of Christian liberty. Let's take a look now. Let's go back to Galatians chapter 5. Let's go back to there. <clears throat> there is one other question I forgot. To, for, do, you, do you mind? Just, just hold a thought. Just, just, put Bill, just hold it because you're going to have to bring me back. There's one other question. And there's something that's kind of on the same page. I'm going to say it this way, and that is... Will it be consistent with Christ-likeness? Or there's been a, there was, you know those, remember that WWJD? What would Jesus do? Okay. There's some of that that would be right here. What would Jesus do with that situation? Right? And that's a great question to ask. I have no, I have no problem with that at all. If that, just WWJD, if you know what that means. You know, you have this situation, and why am I looking at the, at the wall to my left? I have no idea. It's not like there's anything, I don't know. But it sure fits in my mind. I look at that wall. That's the question of what, are we going to do that or are we not going to do that? What would Jesus do? See, that's a great question. Because you know what it's going to do to us? It's going to drive us to the Word of God. And we're going to start going through and we're going to look up words that may be revolving around this situation. And you know what we're going to find out? Well, we want to find out what Jesus would do. And you know what? If you're truly a Christian, you want to love and obey God. And if we find out what Jesus would do, that's what we want to do. See? It's really good. Okay, let's keep... Now, where, where did you build your walls? What were, we, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's go back to Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. And let's look at... I'm going to read the verse, and then let's look at the second part of it. For brethren, Galatians five thirteen, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion of the flesh. We just talked about that. We have the, we have the opportunity of liberty to oppose unsaved humanness. But, look at this now, by love serve one another. You see, on Christian liberty, you now have the freedom to serve others. See, that's so foreign. And thinking of the United States for a moment, one of the things that we've really lost track of is the fact that the place of serving others, and I'm thinking of those that over the last number of world wars, all of those, even when we think about the fighting and the wars that have taken place, those men and women that rose to the occasion to fight for their country, to fight for liberties and freedoms. You know who they were serving? Others. You see, that whole thing is leaving at an alarming rate. It's all about self in the United States. It's in the world today. Satan has sold that worldwide. Fear and serving self are the number two things that literally society is pushing at it at every single level. And when we're not serving others, 
It tells us a couple of things. We probably don't know Jesus personally. If you have no desire to serve anyone else, none, you have no desire, you're just serving yourself, go home and get on your knees and cry out to God that He would show you your need for Jesus. Because it's His love that makes the difference to serve others. Now, in, the, in regard to what... Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Talking about... Ernie just kind of set us up nicely. A stumbling block, if you will. Don't cause your brother to stumble. And that's a good question to ask. Will this be a stumbling block? 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. Look at this. Oh, it's, do you see the liberty word again? I, I was looking for liberty. See what I was doing as I kind of went through? I was looking for liberty in the Bible. And it was kind of sneaky, wasn't it? But let's look at how it ties together. Verse 9 of chapter 8 of 1 Corinthians. But take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. <laughs> That's pretty direct, isn't it? Isn't that a beautiful verse? Your Christian liberty really, really, really should be guarded by, wait a minute, I can't do that if I'm a stumbling block to a weaker brother. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Now, see, this is where the difference between those, remember the A word, the antinomianalism? Ooh, I got it out, right? See, they don't care about this stuff. It's all about me. I can do anything I want to do because I'm free in Christ. No, you missed it. That's exactly, that sounds like Cain, doesn't it? Do you think Cain was saved? I don't think so. Right? Are you a Cain or an Abel person? I want to be an Abel person. I want to be the one that wants to love and obey God. Cain, he's weasel, right? I mean, he hated his brother. You know what? When we really have Christian liberty... We will be concerned about our weaker brother, whatever that... You see, it doesn't even matter. Our brother. We would be concerned to not be that stumbling block. One of the reasons that I never... I've never had an alcoholic drink, ever. I'm not saying that for any reason but this. My dad asked me a question. I'm really telling you about some stuff that nobody really knows. I was probably, again, I don't know, 13 to 15 years old. We're at the shop. We're working on a fox chopper. Remember that part of Do you even know what a fox yeah. corn chopper is? Oh, you do, buddy. You're See, to drink to fix yeah, that's, exa- that's exactly right. <laughs> Anybody that doesn't know what a fox chopper, that's okay. You don't need to know. They were just a pain in the neck. You probably knew about this. Too. Yeah, exactly. See, the guy's in the front row. That's why we're up here, right? Okay, well, anyway, on this particular day, though, I don't remember what we do, other than we were doing that, but there was a question that reverberated through my mind, I mean, for a long time. My dad asked a question, never did answer it. He said this, I wonder which drink makes an alcoholic. And he walked away. Boy, I wonder what he meant by that. And he just kept bouncing around my head. Well, see, if you have that tendency, it's the first one. I never wanted to take the chance. Because I didn't have to have it. Now, I'm not saying, this, this is not for any sense of a guilt, none of this. But John MacArthur was asked the same question. Do you have to take it? He said, no, I don't, I will never have an alcoholic drink because I would want no one from an unbeliever to say, well, he, he drinks, so it's okay. See, it's not worth it to me. It's not worth that to me. 
Now, that should be driven not, not by any sanctimonious legalism. That's not what I'm saying this for. This should be driven by what? The love that God has shed abroad in our hearts. Let's, right now, let's go to Romans chapter 5, verse 5, because this is where it comes from. This isn't of ourselves. If it's, if it's because you want to look smarter or... No, it's not that. Romans chapter 5. Let's go there. That's well, amazing. None of this stuff's in my notes. I don't know. Hopefully, well, I ask God to take us where we want to go. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 5. Watch this now. Actually, we should start in verse 1. Romans 5, 1. Another homework piece. Romans chapter 5. Read it every day for the next week. Verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith... That's to be declared not guilty by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what sets it all up. By whom, that's the Lord Jesus Christ also, we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Now that's sometimes harder. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope. Now watch verse 5. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which is given unto us. Verse 5, you need to have the grip on that verse. That literally defines everything that takes place from the moment you trust Christ and ongoing. The love that you have for your brother, the love that you have for the unbeliever, comes because Jesus, I'm speaking, because God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, love. Love. Okay, let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians, we're going to have to move quicker. Laramie, why don't you move that clock back another hour? We'll be good. No, don't do that. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians 9. And let's take a look at what Paul says next. Verse 1. 1 Corinthians 9. 1. Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen the Jesus Christ our Lord? Are not you my work in the Lord? Think of those questions. Think of those questions. You talk about this guy being a spiritual giant. He said, I'm an apostle. I'm free. Now, if anybody would free free, it would be Paul, right? Except he's actually in chains right now as he's writing this. That seems odd. And then he says something else. What was it? Have any of you seen Jesus? No. I'm looking forward to the day when I do. I'm looking forward when I can wrap my arms around that, my Savior, who is wearing those nail scars for me. He did it for me. One drop of his blood was sufficient. And Paul says, I've seen Jesus. I'm an apostle. I'm as free as a bird. And then he goes on to say, down in verse 19, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. You see, that's the understanding latitude. It follows exactly what Ernie said. Are we a stumbling block? Do we care about being a stumbling block? Paul is saying all of those things, all of those liberties that literally are mine. You know what? I would rather be a slave to God. I would rather be a slave to his love to gain the more because that's literally what's eternal. Anything else is too temporal. That's from Paul himself. He didn't want to do anything that would do damage to an unbeliever. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, just keep going, verse 33. Verse 33. 
He's at the end of this section. Even, uh, 10.33, Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. Isn't, doesn't that encapsulate the whole thing? You know what? Your rights literally are fenced in by God's love for the others that need to get saved. And if you see that any other way, then I'm going to have to ask, get on your knees and have God shed some more love in your heart. Because <laughs> he's the only one that can do it. Isn't that true? It's absolutely. And again, I'm not saying with anything other than we all need to have that. Let me read that verse again. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 33. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit. It's not about me, but the profit of many that they may be saved. Run in that direction. Put love on display. Run in the direction of edification and building up others, giving you strength. Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. Did you see something as, as we're doing that? I wrote in my side notes as I was just kind of encapsulating some of this. You see, uh, from, if you ask someone, you would say freedom is the, you can do anything you want to do. I'm free as a bird. What have we described so far in Christian liberty? It's responsible, isn't it? I, I think of those four, our forefathers, those that stepped up in the Revolutionary War, those that literally got after it. Do you know what they were really doing? They were showing responsibilities. That sounds like a pretty good win. They were responsible to their families, to their fellow men, to do what was right all of the time. And you know what? That literally encapsulates freedom. And when our country gets a taste of that again, when we care about our neighbors, when we care about our families, when we care about those that are outside of ourselves, this nation will begin to change and come back to God. And Christian liberties are all the same way, aren't they? You see, the fences around freedom, I don't know, this is just something that came out of my mind right now. The fences around freedom is love. Isn't that true? Defense is love. I think you said too there one time. Like on the, along with that, it's always the right time to do the right thing. Yes, that's yeah. I was uh, I was actually I don't know where I was at where it first came out of my mouth and I hadn't it was not really there. I was asked the question. I don't remember the question. I was in Oklahoma uh, visiting with some bull customers and there was a guy in the back seat and I can't remember what he asked me, but my response was in this and I got can't, and I said you know it's always the right time to do the right thing. And I, it all caught us in the pickup. I mean, there was four of us in there. And it was like, I said, whoa, that's really good. That's freedom, man. And that is, that is freedom. It's always the right. And I was actually in a meeting in Des Moines, Iowa, a couple of weeks ago. And one of the things that we came away from a break, and it was kind of a sort of a, a beginning of a new brain trust. It was a brainstorming session. And when we came back from a break, and, and the, the guy that was moderating, he said, tell us one thing. Some quote, something that really has made a difference to you. And I'm sitting there and, you know, the guys had a lot of other things. But that's the one that probably in recent history has made more impact to me than anything. Is in the back of my mind, I want to continue to say this and anything comes along. It's always the right time to do the right thing. And I remember that room. And it was like, wow. It's true, isn't it? It's absolutely it absolutely is true. Okay, where were we at? There we go. Romans 14. Freedom is responsible. Romans chapter 14. How come I can't find where I'm at now? There we go. Verse 12. Romans 14, 12. 
Romans 14.12. It says this. Oh, let's turn to verse 11. Romans 14, verse 11. As it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. There's a day coming. That is absolutely going to happen. It's stated as well in Philippians. Verse 12. So then, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Isn't that true? That is so true. Chapter 15, verse 1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. All coming back to the fact Christian liberty is the freedom to serve others. You think of Jesus Christ. He did not come to please himself. Literally, Christian liberty makes us a slave to Christ. Well, we have two. Let's see how we've done. We have the first. Christian liberty is the freedom to oppose the unsaved humanness, or we could say flesh, whichever one you prefer. And secondarily, Christian liberty is the freedom to serve others. Okay? What did you have? I'm sorry? Okay. How did I get you there? Actually, let's, let, let, let's, but let's take, let's, let, let's, let's use that right now. Okay. Leslie had doubts. What did I, Christian liberty is, yeah. Okay. Overarching, literally, Christian liberty is this. Christian liberty isn't yours if you're really not a Christian. Okay. And to be a Christian, literally you, your life would show two things. One that you desire to love and obey God. If that's not there. Go back to step one. <laughs> Get on your knees and find Jesus, right? Because he's got to do that work. He's got to change you. But Christian liberty would have the freedom to oppose the flesh and the freedom to serve others. The third one is the freedom to fulfill the law at its highest level. Let's go to verse 14 of Galatians. It really is. We're okay yet. Galatians. We're just going to have to pick up speed just a little tiny bit. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 14. Let's read verse 13 again because we'll, we're gonna, we want to build and hold this together. Hopefully you'll see these verses as being very, uh, shall we say, fit together from this point forward. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. I mean, that's yours. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. In other words, it's freedom to oppose the flesh. And, but by love, serve one another. Christian liberty then is to build up or to serve others. Now, verse 14, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Let's go to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, and let's take a peek at this. Well, that wind is getting after it, isn't it? Kind of be hard to have an outdoor service today, probably. Wow, it is really cooking. Mark chapter 12, let's take a look at verses 20, let's see. We'll start in verse 28, Mark 12, 28. Mark 12, 28. One of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, verse 29, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. 
And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. This, there is none other commandment greater than these. Isn't that amazing? Now, he took the Ten Commandments, and he just shrunk them down into two statements. Get your relationship with God right, and get your relationship with others right. He na- and by the way, who's your neighbor? Everyone. <laughs> right? It's not just the one that lives closest to you. Literally, when you love your neighbor as yourself, guess what? Don't, have, don't commit adultery with your neighbor's wife. Don't steal your neighbor's stuff. Don't kill your neighbor. Don't covet your neighbor's stuff. You see what I'm going? Literally, was that rain? <laughs> and a sheep. There's a sheep in the rain. It is raining in Sheridan, Montana on July 4th, 2021. But it's not your house. All right. Oh, my. It just took me completely. What, what are we talking about? Where are we at? Sorry. Oh, yes. Okay. Very good. You see, when you have Christian liberty, there's the freedom to fulfill ultimate to the law at its highest level, and that is what? To love your neighbor as yourself. Let's go to Romans chapter 13 for a moment. Romans chapter 13, verse 8. Romans 13, 8. Again, Paul has a way of just getting right to the message. Verse 8, chapter 13 of Romans. Owe no man anything except or but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. See, love really sums up the law. When you love God and you love your neighbor, you know what? It's all taken care of. That's it. That's it. You love God, love your neighbor. That's it. That, that's Everything is encapsulated within that. How easy is that to do? Uh, not so much sometimes. Depends on what your neighbor's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a really, and see, that's usually how we operate, isn't it? Yeah. What kind of neighbor do you have? <laughs> I, this is a true story. We were, we'd moved. Oh, let's see. I got to get, make sure I can get it right. It popped in my mind, but it's not quite right. Um, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is, this is good. Okay, so, so we go into this. Um, there's this guy that walked into the business. It was, it was in Livingston, Montana. And he says, uh, you know, we just moved here. And I'm just curious, uh, how are the people around here? I mean, are they good? Or are they easy to get along with? Or are they, you know, he goes on, you know. And the owner of the business said, he said, sir, how were they where you came from? You'll probably fight them the same way here. Isn't that true? It's exactly true. How do we treat our neighbors? Now, there's some that are easier to treat lovingly than others. In fact, there's been a few guys. They're tough to love, aren't they? They're really tough to love. And you know what we have to do when we have those moments of they're really tough to love? In fact, there was one. There was an instance uh, just this last week. I'll try to keep all the specifics out of it, but literally, under pressure, um, this, I'm going to just say this person uh, said something. They were, at, I mean, they were put in a corner and they needed to, they wanted an answer. I, w- I was more of an out, I, I wasn't, I was there, but I wasn't directly involved. And there was a lot of tension. And finally, 
this person said what was asked to be said. Said it all out. It was clear. Two days later, said he never said that. That's hard to love that kind of a neighbor, isn't it? But do you know why? There's, and there's a whole lot of those kind of neighbors around today. Because that's what the world system builds. All about self. No love. All self. Did I mention self yet? And truth becomes whatever that person needs for that day. And see, for him, truth changed from the day. In fact, it was said this. His wife said this. He said, well, he just said that so we could get out of the meeting. What? See, that's how pervasive truth has really, we've fallen away now, to literally truth is just something you say to get out of something. Isn't that terrible? No, it's not truth at all. That's, that's the point. It's not truth at all. We don't even know what truth is. And that poor soul does not today know the difference between right and wrong or truth. And there's hundreds, there's thousands in this country that are just like that. Because we've lost our way, we've lost our God, we've lost our direction because we've lost truth. Truth didn't change. Truth's not extinct. Same God, same Bible, same real stuff. But we as a nation have turned our head and walked away. And that's what we're going to have to do is turn back to him. Turn back to him. Okay. Do <sighs> You know, we're actually getting close. If I would just pay attention and stick, out, stick to it. Um. We think about the law, and can anyone be saved by the law? There's a lot of people trying. There's, you know, there, there's religions, and I could name them, but there's no point in that. I've, it's, it's pointless. And just think of the word religion, and what comes to your mind, should come to your mind, is the sense of working for salvation. I got to do this, and I got, to, I got charts of this, and I went to church this many weeks in a row, and I did that, and I was at missions, and I, I served somewhere, and I did that, and I'm, I got to be good because I got to have done more than my neighbor Joe or Bill or Bob or Sue or whatever, right? It doesn't have anything to do with anything. That doesn't matter. But why can't you be saved by the law? This is really, really important. Now, is there anything wrong with the law? In fact, the, the verse that just came to mind, let's see if it's here. Let's go to... Um, Romans chapter 7, verse 12. I don't know if I'm right. We'll find out in a second. Yeah, it is. Romans chapter 7, verse 12. Here we go. I mean, we want to make sure we understand this. Uh, Romans seven twelve says this. Wherefore, the law is holy, and the commandment holy and just and good. You see, there's nothing wrong with the law, but there's something wrong with the law. We can't keep it. And there's also, there's no life in the law. That's right, James chapter, verse two, uh, chapter 2, verse 10. For if you offend in one point of the law, you are guilty of all. I remember I had a young uh, a missionary, and I'm saying that, uh, again, I'm, there's no point in me naming names of cults. I'm not, but that was one that for him was a complete meltdown and breakdown. It was up here on the bench. And I had met him in another, actually in, in Miles City. I, you know, isn't it funny how God works? Um, he actually, we knew one another, and his last name was Bukharal, okay? Which, you know, you remember that kind of stuff. And, and up on the, well, you sort of do. Maybe you don't, but I did. Okay, anyway, and he comes walking. He's, he, he, gets, he got dropped off, and he's walking on the bench uh, where, where my brother lives. I said, what are you doing? 
doing here, buddy? What's going on? Larry? Yeah, so it was kind of like that. And, you know, he's there on a mission. He's, he's there to change my world. And we got to talking. And anyway, the bottom line is I could take a lot more time in developing it. But to him, it was about works. You have to do your part. Jesus did his part, but you have to have it all. You've got to bring it all together. And I said, what part didn't Jesus get done? What part were you going to bring that he didn't do? Well, we've got to do our part. I said, well, what part is that that you have to do that Jesus didn't get done? Uh, well, <laughs> you, you know, I mean, it, it is. It, what, what didn't he get done? What part are you trusting yourself in, you see, that's what Galatians is all about, literally, right? Okay, so we get down to the bottom, and I, I put, up, put up a couple of sins um, that were some were pretty major. And I said, if I did those today, God forbid, and I died tonight, if my trust is in Jesus Christ, he, oh, oh, God forbid, you, you couldn't possibly go to heaven. I said, okay, but what if you told a little tiny white lie. And that's just the way I did it because I just wanted to add the draw just a tiny little white lie. That's different. I said, is it now? Take your Bible, turn to James 2.10 and you tell me how that's different. And so he, for if you offended one point of the law, you are guilty of all. I said, what do you think about it? The Bible was shut and he was gone. And I said, you need to figure that out. That was my parting shot. I've never seen him since. Been praying for, I prayed for him a lot because he needs to get that figured out. We need to get that figured out. There's nothing you can do. You break one, you broke it all. That's why we need Jesus. These glasses, they like to sit right over here, don't they? Okay, what's, where were we at? Which verse did I have you in? Oh, no life. Yeah, 712. Uh, the problem is there's no life in the law. And the law has an external force. There's, there's nothing that it can do but to show you that you're a sinner. Love. We talked about Romans 5.5. 5. Let's now go to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. Uh, it's, it's, it's not by any sense of imagination that the first fruit of the Spirit is love. 5.22 says the fruit of the Spirit is love. That's where the fight is on. Literally, that between the flesh, that unsaved humanness, and the spirit of which the Holy Spirit is guiding you, love is the response that literally fulfills that law at the highest level. It comes from within. Remember, God shed his love abroad in your hearts through or by the Holy Spirit. So, one, we have one more point. So let's review. You know, I didn't really need the board today. Did you see that now? I knew as soon as... That's so bad. So why don't you guys... Help? Let's, let's write... I feel actually bad because I, re- I erased all of those. So you guys tell me that Christian liberty, what's the first thing that we can do? We can... Freedom... To oppose... The flesh. Or unsaved humanness. Okay, number two. Freedom to serve others. Number three. Fulfill the law at the highest level. 
And how is that seen? It's all about love, isn't it? It's all about love. And see, now think of that for a second. See, that changes the whole thing. If you take just the Ten Commandments and you put them on the wall, do you see love there? You see the don'ts, the shall not, thou shalt nots. Do you see what Jesus said? Love God and love your neighbors and the law is fulfilled. Where does that come from? That's what he wanted you to see. It cannot come from an unsafe heart. It has to come from a heart that is God's that shed his love abroad by the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 5 verse 5. You need to know that verse. That tells you so much about how it works. Now, number four, one more. Excuse me? One. Yeah, number one. Yep, there you go. It's okay. That's okay. There's one more. Let's, let's read the scripture. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5. And let's read verses 13 through 15. This is really our section today. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. But by love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. That sounds like America, right? Now that word devour is literally to gulp down, to annihilate. The two critters that I thought of that do that, or I think of them doing that, is alligators and crocodiles. Right? I mean, they don't, they just run, right? I mean, I would really like to know where they're at. I want to know where they're at. And you know what? That's literally if the flesh is left alone, left to be fed, to get bigger and stronger, all of those things that we talked about in Galatians chapter 5, guess what? That happens. That literally will devour, annihilate, and gulp down everyone around you, and you would be suspect to being one of those. So how are we going to save that one? To avoid... Freedom to avoid uh, da, 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 destructive conflict. That's what Christian liberty allows you to do. See, if you're not saved, if you are not, if you do not have liberty in Christ, you know that destructive conflict is everywhere. If you don't, it's in Sheridan, it's in Twin Bridges, it's in Whitehall, it's in Bermuda City. It's and I didn't leave. There's a there's not a town in the world. Outside of Christ, that doesn't fall into that right there. They literally consume one another. You know what's happening in America right now? We're consuming one another. We're so fearful. We're so godless. We're so idolaters that we literally are consuming ourselves. Isn't it true? It's absolutely true. Wow. Christian liberty. Sin is lovelessness. The lovelessness of sin revolts in fighting and devouring. So how do we, how, how do you do this? How do, how, do, how, do we, how do we do those four things? How does Christian liberty, how do you get through this? This sounds really simple today, right? And then tomorrow morning at about 7.30 a.m. I usually shouldn't say those kind of times because you know what happens. Why did Larry say that, right? I don't know. But tomorrow morning, it's amazing how these things are not as easy tomorrow as they are today. So how, what is the difference? What do we have to do? The key, again, is what... Excuse me? Put on our armor. That's right. Get that bad boy on. Get, them all, get all of those pieces on. And literally it comes down to this. Where is the Holy Spirit? And I would say for this group of people in this room, most of you, as I would know you, would 
be a Christian, which means you have liberty, which means you are following, obeying, and loving God. And you say, well, not, no, of course not. It's not to the hundredth, the, the hundred percent level. I, I get that. I get that. God knows that. That's called sanctification. He's working you through it. But you know what? Your desire is always to go back to him. When you sin, you feel bad about it. And you want to confess it and you want to get back. Well, in fact, Satan wants to, oh, you, oh, you, you worthless person, you. God doesn't want you anymore. See, that's what goes through your head first, right? Correct? Especially those that love God. He wants you to be separated from the one that loved you. He wants you to be separate from the one that can fulfill fellowship and love again. He doesn't want you to get back. But you know that's the only way. First John chapter 1, verse 9. He is faithful to forgive you if you confess your sins. And when you do that, it's all rejoined. And you're on the pathway. And you're going. And you're becoming, again, on the obedience and the loving of God. Let's go to verse 16, and this is where we'll stop. Galatians chapter 5. This I say then. <laughs> he, those three verses, he, he, he's kind of like putting a bundle around. He, he says, this I say then. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. When you're living and walking, which is the same word literally, in the, in the Spirit... All of those things right here, opposing the flesh, serving others, fulfilling the, high, the, the law at the highest level, that is to love your neighbor, love God, and avoiding destructive conflict. All of those, the more intensely you walk in the Spirit. How do you walk in the Spirit? Allowing the Word of God to permeate and penetrate your heart because that's when the Holy Spirit starts to point these things out. Guess what? Your world, your life changes. You begin to see how to love more and to fear less. That's a pathway of Christian liberties. Remembering that, what's the fence around your liberty, Christian liberty? What's the fence? Love. 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 Questions or comments? Excuse me? Christian liberty is freedom from self. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Because the more freedom we have from self, the more freedom we have to love God. Because that's literally what happened to the Garden of Eden. Eve traded her relationship and her love for God when Satan sold her the bill of goods. That she turned to herself and wanted to love herself more and to trust herself more. Literally behind the entire sense of sin at its inception is pride, which is literally the fact of love of self. I have absolutely no problem with what you'd say. Christian liberty is literally, its fullest form is absence from the love of self. Absolutely. We, in fact, that's, that's literally what we're working at in the sense of sanctification is getting self out of the way. Is that not true? It's the biggest problem in America today. It absolutely is. It's all about self. And then everybody's responsible. You know, nobody's accountable. Nobody's responsible. I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't probably go to... Yes.
And Rhonda makes a great point, by the way. That's one of the things when we put our armor on, did you see we're not to chase after anyone? Because the, the war will come to us. What are we to do again? What's the purpose when we're done putting the armor on? What, have we, what are we told to do? Stand fast. Okay? And we really are literally told to resist the devil and he will flee from you. So in other words, we're taking a stand. We are very firmly standing. Not running after, but standing firm in the strength of God, in the power of his might. Okay? I may, I maybe should say this a little bit different way, but if it's almost like this sense of let's read that verse again. Let's go back to Galatians chapter five and let's read the three verses and see if we maybe can set a little different definition to it. Galatians chapter five, let's read verses thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen. For brethren, he's speaking to Christians, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion or an opportunity to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if you, now who's you? That's, this, is, this is really important. Who is you in verse 15? What did it say in verse 13? Read it to me. It's about the second or third word. Who's he, who's he addressing? Brethren. That's the key. The destructive conflict we're talking about is in the Christian brothers and sisters. That can't be there. The stance that Rhonda is talking about is incredibly, incredibly important. But that's literally taking a stand from good versus evil. Taking that stand, being very firm. But when you see, am I, is that right? In verse 15 it says, who's you? It's the brethren. It's the Christians. This is where we lose the fight, literally, is the fact we're fighting amongst ourselves. And then we don't have any energy or standfastness. I don't think that's right. To stand, as Rhonda said, against the world. Because, yes, that's what's wrong with America, is Christians are too lethargic to stand firm for what's right. Wow, that was way... But, but, but I wanted to... <laughs> I tried. It was a little too over the top. But, but Rhonda's spot on. That's what we're missing. And, I, and my reflection to that is it's because we are destroying ourselves and we're devouring one another because the love that we're supposed to have shed abroad in our hearts, it's not there. Right? right. Very true. Correct. That is, and see, that's the whole thing. What we, see, when we're into this, again, this is Christian liberty. If we truly have Christian liberty, when we understand what we are in Christ, then we have the, the opportunity, the ability to avoid this destructive conflict. Because it's the love that makes it. That's the one thing we would say, overarching of these three verses. Do you know what the thing is? It's all about love. It's all about love. The more you love somebody, the more you overlook their Yes. Their yes. Off. Absolutely true. You know, one of the things, and I think this may be pertinent, may not be. I remember having a gentleman right back there at the table that those kids are sitting at. And he came to me and said, I've got to talk to you, Larry. I've, and, he, and he unfold. And so I said, that's fine. So we're sitting there one-on-one. And he's unfolding this situation of where he had a, an ex-partner that, I mean, took him to the woods. I mean, just, you know, he took money and business. And it, and it was. It was overwhelming. And granted, I heard it from, from his side. But that's okay. That's all. I, God, you know, that's, God's, God knows. But this is, this, was, this is truly the breakthrough. I mean, he, he was embittered. 
He was embittered. That's the word I want to use. And so I listened and I said, you know, I can't imagine the hurt that you have. But I can, and he said, what? It's eating me up and I, I, I want to get it fixed. I said, I'll tell you the first step. I said, right now we need to pray for that man. Oh, you see, he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. But when you do that, when you pray for that person, pretty soon there's love. And where, it's not from you. This is key. Romans 5.5. 5. It's spread abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. But I, I know myself, when I've prayed for people that have just taken advantage of me, that wall gets melted. And you know what pretty soon happens? I want to pray for them because I feel sorry for those people that they do not know Jesus Christ personally. And that's when love has an enormous amount of power. Enormous amount of power. But I, I, again, I can't... What Rhonda has said right here is really, really important. And when we have Christian liberty, really what happens is these things fit together to allow us to take a stand that the world right now needs to see that true Christianity is very, very much different than the world we find ourselves living in. Right? I mean, we should look like a diamond with a velvet background. And today, unfortunately, right? There's a whole lot of still unsaved humanness, a lot of it, and we don't serve others too well. You see what's happening to our liberty? Who are we using it for? Exactly. Exactly. That's the most, that's the biggest breakdown in Christian liberty is we use it for ourselves. Have I said too much? Yes, I have. So the other thing is on the destructive conflict. That's speaking of us as Christians with other Christians, right? Correct. That's exactly. Not, not the world. No, like, no, that's my point. Like you can stand for conflict that does not obey the will of God. So, like, if it's uh, what's going on. In the school systems, you know, that they're teaching what, whatever it is they're trying to teach, which is not, it's not God-given. It's, it's destructive to the kids. So. Yeah. But- you can't stand for that. No, of course not. No, no, that's, that's what we said about verse 15. Yeah. It actually, when the you, but you... Stay away. I should let, let's just read the rest of that verse. Okay, verse fifteen. But if, but if you bite and devour one another, that would be other brothers and sisters of Christ. Take heed that you'd be not consumed one of another. See that that's literally within the Christian community when we do it. And I don't know, avoid destructive conflict within the brethren. Does that help? Yes. Because I I think I think Rhonda's point is absolutely necessary today, and the reason that we fall apart on that. It's because of that, right? Isn't that true? Kind of like stooping to other people's levels. Absolutely. You just have to rise above it. That's right. Right. And in particular, I think the verse that we should just close with right now, because we're talking about the Christian community. You know what? Most of the time, it's so hard for us to be that person to love through. Even when it's, you know, why do we have a conflict between brothers and sisters? Because we're both probably wrong, Right. And it's so hard to rise a level. But let's look at this verse, which we read it in Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, and let's read it. 
Again, brethren, he, he, see, he's talking to Christians here. Verse 1, chapter 6, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you, which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest thou also be tempted. Watch, bear you one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. You see, that just fits it all together, doesn't it? That just fits it all together. Okay, wow, what a robust study today. It was fantastic. It was really, and, and that's because God was here and he was helping us and he was energizing and expressing it. And it seems like it's probably 1030 to you all, but it's still light outside, so it's not. And uh, so, so let's pray and then we'll have a, a communion service. Father, Father God, thank you for the day. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for guiding us. Thank you for seeing the Christian liberty on a day that literally we're celebrating the independence of the United States of America. 245 years, Father, I'd ask that our country would turn back to you. That if the citizenry and all of those living within this country's borders would begin to know that there is a God. There is a God that is supreme, that is sovereign, that has a plan, that has beaten sin by sending Jesus Christ to this earth for 33 years. The one that was hung on a cross. That is bearing for eternity the marks that cost him everything to gain salvation for all of those that would trust him. Father, the plan that you devised was outrageous. It was crazy. It seemed risky. And you designed it before you made anything because in your incredible foreknowledge, your incredible omniscience, you saw it all. And to think that you loved us enough to send Jesus... Your very son, the God, 100% God and 100% man, bearing the weight, the sacrifice of my sin is truly amazing. Thank you, Father, for his visiting us through your word today. It's powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. It's cut, Father, to the very depth of our souls today. It's shown us things that we've not seen before and encouraged us in ways because you are God more than we may have seen in many, many days and years. You are God. You are God alone. We trust you. We praise you. We worship you. Asking you to continue day by day, moment by moment in our journeys to perfect us, to mature us, to sanctify us through the word and the Holy Spirit working in us. And these things we would ask in Christ's name. Amen.